Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah classes, and thank you for listening to this episode. Feel free to follow and to share with others so they too can enjoy the Torah classes on this podcast. Now, on to the episode. Today's daf Meseches Gitin is daf Mem. There are going to be four sections in today's daf. We will begin the second to last line in Lamites Amud Beis. First section we're going to deal with is actions that are done in front of the master potentially could imply the master had freed the Evid prior. So the Gemara clarifies for us that Rebbe holds if a master was involved in marrying off his slave to a Bascharin, or if a master married a Shifcha, Obviously, he freed her. He freed, he freed them prior to this involvement. However, if he stated that he wants the shtar that he's giving the shifcha to also be the shtar of freedom, so then there's a machlekes remer in the chachamim if this can act in a duality of modes, or if it doesn't, because he clearly only wants the kedushin to take effect, but it's not because she's not a baschayrin. Rishon and Levi similarly says if he placed tefillin on his eved, he obviously freed, but not if the eved put the tefillin on himself. Okay, now moving on. There's a scenario here where you own the Isser or the Mamon and the ability or lack thereof to get a get shikhar and some stories that highlight this. So let's see. There's two versions of Rabbi Yochanan. Um, a, ha, a, ha father of a, a, a father of Yorshim. So before he passed away, he commanded his uh, Yorshim. So Rabbi Dimi's version is, is that where he said, don't work about the shifcha. So Rabbi Dimi and Rabbi Yochanan says that the, the Yorshim are forced to free the um, to free the shifcha. The Gemara refutes this. It says it's illogical because all he really meant to say was, "Don't work her so hard." But the children are going to be avodim and shvachos because they were she wasn't really freed. The second version is Rav Shmuel Bar Yehuda who says when he says, "Make kairas ruach for her, make it easy." So then he was saying, "Free her if it's necessary to make a kairas ruach. If not, you don't have to, but you also would free her if." Uh, it would be enough, if it would be necessary to make her a kairas ruach. And there's two versions of Amemar and Ravashi's conversation. Version number one is, if somebody said, there's no takana because all he owns is the iser, and you can't give a get shechor for iser. Second version is, in that case, actually, he could give if he was still the one around. But if he was mafkir and then he died, so then, so then there's no takana because the yorshim can't inherit the iser in order to give a get shechor. And the Gemara clarifies a memor in this version would hold like the second version of Rabbi Yochanan above, not like Ravdimi's version, because in Ravdimi's version, the implication is if the father would have commanded free her, even though the children no longer own the momenus, they do the only only iser, they would be able to give a get shechor. Now, the Gemara quotes a story that illustrates Ravina held like Ravdimi, that you can give a get shechor even if you only own the momenus, which is highlighted by the scenario where Jewish uh, slave owners had sold their Evid Kananim to Avadim Kananim to Goyim, and there's a Kanas, they lose the value in it. They don't own that slave anymore. The Goyim died, and Ravina said that the children should give Get Shechor to the children of the original owner, should give Get Shechor to the Avadim. You see clearly how the Kravdimi uh, in the first version of Rabbi Yochanan above, and that is actually the Psak, how the Gemara comes out. Okay, turning to Mehmet Beis now, we have a story of Papa Paskind that in a scenario where there were two um, partners in an Evid, and one of them freed his half, the other one transferred the ownership of his half to his child because he knew that Bezin wouldn't force the child like he would force the father because you're not allowed to. So Rav Papa Paskin, in such a scenario, we act in a sort of surreptitious way with this child, which is we show him money. 
motivating him to sell the Eved, and then he sells with a good price because there's an apotropus involved to make sure it would occur. But he wouldn't be allowed to force the sale, but thereby making the Eved free, as we're going to learn later, because it's for the benefit of the Eved so he can propagate. Okay, the third section of the day deals with languages. Now, these are going to be languages, as we learned, they're written in the Shtar. So regarding Eved and land, if a person was clearly implying by his language that he wants the Evid or, or land to be free or to be sold, so then that's going to be effective. There is a debate, however, if he makes it a future reference. I will make him free, written in the Shtar, or I will give this land. So then there's a machlaikis if his intent is in this document, and then it is a transaction, or if it means in the future, it's a haftacha, a promise, and then this is not a transaction. The Gemara goes on and says there's a distinction also if he may have transacted freedom or ownership through a third party or not. Meaning, if uh, somebody says, I freed my slave, and the other guy says, no, you didn't. So now, if the idea was, it, not that I gave a direct document of freedom, so maybe it was through a third party, or similarly with fields, maybe it was through a third party, and Zachan Lam Shalai Bufanov. But if he said, I gave my Evid a get shechur, or I, I gave the document of the field to this fellow, so then... And it's not considered a transaction. The Gemara clarifies that the fruits either go to the nosin or it goes to the son, or, or to the excuse me, or to the they're put in a third party's uh, uh, trust until Mesh, uh, Elio comes to clarify. And the distinction is if the Mikabel is alive and he says I never was given this, so then the nosin can eat the fruits because we know he never got it. But if he's not, it's only his son who's alive, so we don't have the ability to do that. Then it has to be put in a third party's control, and nobody could benefit from it. Okay, fourth part of the day, which is the new Mishnah towards the bottom of Mamam Abayz. The Mishnah tells us that in a scenario where somebody makes an Evid as an apoitiki, a form of collection for the one who he owes money to, and then he frees him. Now we're going to see there's different ways of learning this Mishnah. There's a machlaikis here, Tanakam, Rishimigam Lil. Tanakam says that uh, he writes a document for his value. Rishimigam Lil says the Meshachar writes the document for his value. So the Gemara says the first explanation is Rav in this Mishnah, and there's a Tikkun Oilam as we'll explain as we go. We're going to do the second explanation tomorrow, though. So the Gemara says Rav's explanation is like this. Somebody first master who owned him made him as a form of collection for the for the uh, loan that he owed owed his friend that's a shibud now when he frees him which is the first master according to rav the halacha is as rava tells us in three areas if you do three things to a shibud to a lien which is not actually owning the essential thing it overrides it one of them is shikhr so therefore in this case when he freed him it removes all vestiges of responsibility the evid would have to the second master meaning the one who he was supposed to be collected by however because of tikkun ha'olam we don't want the second master to later come and claim him making a laws against his children, even though he doesn't really own him, the Tanakama of our Mishnah says, or the Mishnah says, that he should, he should write a get, we force the second master, means the one who potentially could have collected him, to write a get shekhar, to free him, and the Eved has to write a document that says he owes money to the second master, even though Meikar, then he doesn't, just to protect himself, and then he'll have to pay the second master later. Shemim Gamil says that the one who freed him has to actually do that. And therefore, the first master is going to be the one who has to pay him. The basis of debate here between Tanakam and Shemim Gamil is Mazik Shiabuda Shel Chaveroi. You damage only the lien or the thing that could have been collected from, but not that something you actually owned. Is that something you're responsible for? Tanakam says not, and therefore there's just Tikkun Oilam, so the Evid should write it for himself. Shemim Gamil says that's considered a real damage. Mela. He should, uh, the Meshachar is the one who has to write this document of IOU to pay the second master the debt that he owed him prior. 
Stopping here at the top of Mem Aleph, Ahmed Aleph, Ezra Shon, pick up with Daf Mem Aleph tomorrow. Everyone have a wonderful day.